0: Welcome to Matt and Brett Love Comics. This is one of your hosts, Brett, here to introduce you to the second of our two panel reports from Heroes Con. Not really a port, just so much as the actual whole audio of the panel uh, presented here for your listening pleasure. Uh, on today's panel, we have the uh, Image Artist panel, uh, which has Ryan Brown, Jason Latour, Paul Azisteta, and Paul Mayberry on it. We hope that you enjoy this, and as always, you can find us on the internet at matt and You can find us at love comics. Let us know what you think about this and enjoy the show. All right, hello Heroes Con. How are you guys
1: doing this Saturday? Round of applause. What's going on? Ah, uh, Come on, keep it going, bigger. Yes, feed us with your energy. Wow. It's fantastic. Uh, George R.R. R. Martin cosplay hilarious i love it um welcome to the image artist panel uh my name is matt little this is uh, hello i'm brett white and we are the hosts of the matt and brett love comics podcast and we are also the people who are uh wondering how we were fortunate enough to get to be up here with this amazing panel of writers uh and artists i said writers um already blown it <laughs> <laughs> uh, proving why I shouldn't be here. Um, yeah, so we're going to hang out. We're going to talk a lot about art, uh, a lot about hate, and a lot about uh, having fun. <laughs> yeah. art. Yeah. Uh, Brett, why
0: don't you give us an introduction to everybody who's up here with us today? Uh, I was going to quote Alan Jackson's Chattahoochee for a second, but I just started to get to that. <laughs> it's fair. <laughs> uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> what, now I'm a bunch of Chattahoochee fans? Yeah, uh, great. Okay, okay. um, so on the end here, we have from God Hates Astronauts, Mr. Ryan Brown. His Artist on Southern Bastards, Jason Latour. From Images Outcast, we have Paul Azaceta. And at the very end from Sovereign, Mr. Paul Mayberry. Yeah.
1: Um, Mateo Scalera is supposed to be here. Uh, he is hoping to make it if he can. Uh, and if he does, we will give him just as warm of an introduction. Uh, but in the meantime, let's get down to brass tacks. Uh, who do you work for? Not kidding. Um, so, you know, with Image, uh, you guys—this is all creator-owned stuff. This is all a part of a lot. I have to imagine it's all a lot more personal and sure, a lot, a lot more fun um, when you guys are approaching the art, uh, approaching the art with these books. Uh, how does it differ from? say, like, a work-for-hire uh, project. Do you do you feel like you put more into it, or is it, you Ryan know...
0: has to exclude himself who's never been hired before. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is true. That is a true story. Did you know that? <laughs> no, no I know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've never been hired. I've only yeah, gotten... It's just gotten just gotten from you. <laughs> from you. I, I mean, I've only ever gotten jobs with friends uh, who uh, need me to fill in or... Um, Convince someone else that I need to fill in. I've never been hired by a person uh, wearing a tie and uh, a suit coat. What? (laughs) Please stay away. (laughs) Uh, Oh, so uh, all right, I'll start. Uh, Since I was already talking, uh, (laughs) the big difference in uh, not being work for hire is that uh, I don't have to draw anything that I don't want to draw. But I think that's also because I'm also writing my book. Uh, so, like, I hate cars, so I'm considering just drawing a universe where cars don't exist, <laughs> just so I don't have to draw them. And it's, it's fantastic, it's fun. I'm laughing the entire time I'm drawing I only draw things that I can laugh. Which, when I work freelance, all I do is cry while I'm drawing, because <laughs> it's really so righteous <laughs> I'll just close my eyes when I draw the car and then I'll just or just I'll just focus just focus on the horse. Let's do it. Let's do
1: it. Brown the tour. Horse car, horse car coming from Image summer twenty fifteen. <laughs> We're here to announce
0: it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've actually uh, never been hired
2: either.
0: No. Um, well you're now I mean you're now work for hire as a writer.
2: I am, that's kind of strange. Yeah. yeah.
0: And your image as an artist. That's right. How yeah. does um, this differ?
2: Uh, I think that there's a different pressure in the sense that, like, when you do work for higher project, there's other people invested in the project. Um, really, it's, it's really just a matter of like, you know, turning in the project at the end of the day. Um, when it's a Marvel project or a work for hire situation. There's 20 people that depend on going, going to the printer. Uh, when it's just Jason and I, it's uh, yeah, fuck that guy.
0: <laughs> uh, no, uh, he's not here. So he's... It's just Jason and I. You know, it's
2: like I don't want to.
1: Paul, you, uh, you your series Outcast is coming out. Is it yes. this week? This coming yeah, Wednesday? Yeah,
3: Wednesday.
1: Uh, oh man. Yeah. That's uh that's to be size, wall to wall comic. Oh man, so that's uh, so that's interesting too. So the first issue is double size. Like you're you're just jumping in whole hog immediately. Uh, yes. Um what, uh what's this
3: great way to question? He...
1: No? <laughs> 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 uh, well what's this what's this time like for you? Right now, in between, like, we're, you, know what, you know what it looks like, you know what this, this yes. product is, and, and we don't yet. Uh, what's, what's this time like for you as the you artist? Know,
3: it's, it's actually quite, it's a, little, it's a little, I'm a little nervous about the whole thing, because there's been some excitement about it, Robert Kirkman's name's on it, so uh, obviously he got a lot of eyes on it, got a lot of excitement, and I was like, no one had actually read the book yet, so it's kind of a weird thing where people are like very excited and not having read anything or seen much from it. So it'd be different if like the book came out and I was like, "Oh, it's a great book. I loved it." And this and kind that. Of, but like now, people are like, "Oh, a, i haven't read yet. Relax." Kind of like you know, lower expectations. <laughs> <laughs> read it first, and then maybe you know. You should be actively yeah. encourage people not to read the book. <laughs> <laughs> Kirk was not here. I could say things. Like He's <laughs> here. <laughs> oh, you would hang me, but you know. <laughs> uh, that's
1: uh, that's awesome, and um, uh, Paul. Paul the sequel. Um, Other Paul. Other Paul. Okay. Revenge. I, I didn't give you that nickname. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, you're uh, you're working on Sovereign now with Chris Roberson, um, and it's the the scope of that series already seems so epic. Just a couple issues in, um, and how do you how do you as an artist uh, sort of keep track of I, I, I noticed that there's there's sort of a, a slightly different style for each of the tales that you're telling. Um, how uh, how do you make those decisions about the style that you bring to each of those parts of the story?
4: Well, a lot of the style separation has to do with the colors. And, uh, there's just sort of subtle shifts in the coloring technique. Um, when you have the Avalunders, it's uh, more of a painterly style, and I'll bust out some digital brushes, but uh, when it's the Luminari, or these... Uh, more European-looking uh, undertakers. Uh, it, it transitions into black colors, um, so it's, it's very, it's very subtle. But uh, we just do little tricks like that to break it apart.
1: Yeah, I uh, I noticed that color color is like a big part of the book too, uh, and it you know it helps establish like the tone of each of those stories. Um, as the story grows and expands, are you? Like, do you plan to like expand the color palette of each of those worlds as well, or...?
4: Yeah, uh, well, we, we, we switched colors a few times on this book. Uh-huh. I, I colored the, the beginning, the first three issues. Uh, and third issue, I wrote with Brad Simpson. And issue four is Aku-Chan, who's the artist of Sparrow from Archaea. Um, and every time I know someone's leaving the book or coming on the book, uh, since we worked so ahead of schedule, I would go in and change my colors on the first few issues and add some of their techniques that I've seen from other books. Whereas Brad Simpson uses a lot of textures and lighting effects, so I might reverse engineer a doll just just to make it fit in anticipation
0: for them being on the project.
1: Oh wow, that's really cool.
0: Um, I had a question for everyone. <laughs> Step back up here. Um, so, at, at Image, uh, we, we did the Image Writers panel yesterday, so we got to talk a lot about the production process on Image books and in some ways it seems like when you guys kind of image is more like the um hired help of like getting the books out like the books are kind of all of your creations like they are very hands-off like you don't have an editorial staff that you have to like report to and like make things work um does that how does that affect your um knowing that books only come out when you want to put them out does that affect your workflow like what? How? Like, what is your relationship with deadlines in working within the image, within the image frame? Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. The D word, yeah, Jason, deadlines. Jason, tell us about deadlines. Uh, what's the deadline?
2: No, um, I'm finding uh, that because the book has been well received, it's actually helping me hit my deadlines. Uh, I feel like you know there's a there's an, there's an energy to it, uh, like a renewable energy to it. God, this is getting, like, really ice <laughs> Um
1: I pray to crystals. <laughs> you dream of a world without <laughs> cars.
2: <laughs> um, no, I feel like, you know, you basically work your whole life to get in a situation where you have a form, where you have a, yeah. a storyteller. And with these stories in particular, people are coming to these fresh, they're coming to them without, like, expectations in a lot of senses. Maybe they come to them, if they have any expectations, it it's what they expect of you as a creator. So their relationship is different than when you were going to work for higher thing. You know, people love Wolverine no matter what you do, and they're gonna hate you for, and love you for it. Yeah. No matter what you do, it's just, that's just how it is. They've had a long history with those characters. So what I find with these deadlines, and when it comes to creating a book, it's easier to get. It's not easier to get excited about about it, but it's easier to sustain the excitement through the more attrition than it is to create a book. Yeah. So like when you're creating a Marvel comic, it's very easy to be very excited at the beginning, and your excitement level will kind of do this throughout. And I'm finding with this book, it's a it's a less peak to valleys. Yeah. Much more process, and I'm hoping that that translated to being a little more timely.
0: Yeah. Well, everyone else, like, do you guys, do any of your books have editors? Because I know, like, some image books do have editors. We do. We
2: have, we have an editor, Sebastian Turner. He uh, used to edit some of the great books for Marvel, Max Books, working with Jason Aaron on the punch Max. Okay. Uh,
0: and it's, again, like, it's a,
2: we hire him to annoy me. <laughs> <laughs> I tell him that all the time. He's great at his job. He does a lot of, I mean, been a valuable process, but it is strange to realize at the end of the day that the editor works for you guys. Yeah. For us, mm-hmm. uh, it's probably more. I don't know, that's a whole other <laughs> rabbit
0: trail. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and, uh, first of all, yes. I mean, you're working with Robert Kirkman. Yeah, sorry. yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean that he's. I mean, he's kind of high up at Image. A little bit. <laughs> he's a little bit a little high bit. up at Image. He's, I mean, he's what done was? Yeah, he's done <laughs> a couple of things. Um, I mean, what is it like working with that? Like, is there an added pressure to that just because Robert Kirkman is involved? Like, do you feel that? Does that spur you on? Um,
3: I, I actually don't. I put a lot of pressure on myself but to be uh, what, what I want out of my art, what I want out of my career, so like that. so I don't usually feel pressure, outside pressure like that, whether it's working with Kirkman or working on uh, Spider-Man, X-Men, some high-profile book or anything that yeah. doesn't necessarily bother me, because I already put a lot of stuff on me, and I just don't, I'm, I want my work to be the best it can be and all that all that other stuff that comes with it, so I, I usually don't feel that kind of pressure. And it's a lot of fun, I've, I've actually known Kirkman for a while, even though we don't, we're a very Personal or whatever, but I've known him for a while, so it's it's weird to see him actually be like Mr. Successful guy going around people actually want to talk to him and stuff like that too. So Mr. Holli. I, I don't look at him exactly that way. Yeah. And stuff, and it's been fun. And, and also he also likes to break my balls all the time. He's kind of a jerk. So <laughs> <laughs> after a while, I was like, you know, screw you. I don't want to hear that. How defeated you sound at the end.
1: of for a little bit now, and it's, it's a, it wears on you. <laughs> it currently wears on you. Uh, um, so, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit like about uh, about your art styles too. And and Paul, uh, you had started uh, Paul the first. Then we'll, we'll work our we'll work our way around. Uh, uh, are you allowed to be seen in public without your hats? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Paul. Paul. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so <laughs> I am so sorry. I have seen what goes on in your book. I am so sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but uh, Paul, I you you—you um, uh, one of your earlier works of Image, uh, Grounded. Um, uh-huh. uh-huh. Your—it uh, was a great book. Your your style was uh, has evolved from there. Terrible. Um, so, well, let's talk about that, like, the evolution of your style, what, um, you started with a very distinct style, and it's, it's, uh, different, there, I think it's all fantastic. What, um, how does that evolve? Like, what, what do you, is it, is it discovering more about yourself, more about, more influences?
3: Yes, uh, there's a, a discover yourself joke there somewhere, I don't know. But, <laughs> but I'll skip over that, um, that was true, <laughs> But uh, uh, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, that's a, uh, I think every artist goes through an evolution of, of stuff throughout the years, and you just learn more, you experience more, you you uh, you know, you get basically basically all practice. I mean, like uh, somebody has said that comic book industry is interesting with artists, where you get to see them kind of practice their craft in front of you, rather than where other things like it's like a lot of behind the scenes stuff, and then they bring out like the, when, once they hone it, they bring it out to the public. I kind of think like we work on such a monthly. Schedule and for many years, where you can actually see artists evolve in that way. It's a very interesting thing. Um, but a lot of it is just like, uh, you know, my taste has been pretty similar, but, you know, taste change and things I want out of myself change. And uh, like I said, I just get better. I get, you know, the more pages I do, the better I get, and all that stuff. So things evolve that way. I remember, like, ungrounded uh, the things I wanted out of that book uh, visually and, and something that are not necessarily the same thing that I go for now. Uh, or maybe things that I just kind of like done enough where I can kind of get that anyways so when I'm working on other things or uh, working on like you know like lately I've been working on just uh, how to kind of get a cleaner look without losing some of the rough stuff that I like so, you know, so it's, like, it's, like I get, it's like it becomes more of a uh, subtle or, or, or minor tweaking of things like that rather than where in the beginning maybe there was like big shifts of like I, you know trying to figure out what exactly my art is going to be and some like of that too so it's just a fun evolution I guess cool. that makes ah. sense that makes sense.
1: Totally. Um, and uh, Paul the Mayberry. What were
4: you saying? Ryan, Ryan. Well,
1: I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, Paul the uh, Mayberry. Uh, would I... well, you, you know, I am actually Paul Mayberry III, so you can tell Paul III you need two. Paul three. <laughs> I like it. There's no yes! There's no Paul yeah, II. No. I'll take Paul II. i Paul Great. I'm a Paul yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we are nailing it today Round of applause for all these jokes, please uh, uh, Paul, your style, what I like about your style, too, is it's very um, uh, I, I, get, I get a bit of, like, uh, uh, Hergé, uh, uh, the guy that did Tintin I sound like, uh, talking about not pronouncing words I don't,
0: don't look at me. Uh, <laughs> um, did you
1: say hair shape? <laughs> hair shape. Yes. Hair shape. Okay. Yes, uh, <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> that weird shape of hair that did in for years. Um, like it, I, I get a lot of that, and and you have this uh, uh, clean but very like detailed and gritty style with that. Um, what? How did you? How did you get to that uh, to that point with your art?
4: Um, well. I mean, I'm a, I'm a self-taught artist. Um, no way. I, so when I started out, I sort of made a deal with myself that I would start simple. So my first book, uh, Aqualung, I, I read more manga than American comics. So I, I tried to think about it. Well, you know, Tezuka evolved, and you could do a simple project. And by the time I was done, I mean, I would sort of know what I was doing. So Aqualung is a lot more cartoony in comparison to my, my work now on Catalyst Comics or Sovereign.
1: Um, so I, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I guess like, uh, well then let me ask you this then, uh, so speaking from project to project as you, when you approach a project, like a new project, right? Uh, you're about to start on the art. Do you consider like how your style will evolve in or, or like what, what part of your style you're going to bring to this new book?
4: I think, I, I think about that initially, um, and a lot of times I, I end up doubling up on projects, so I, I drew Catalyst comics while I was drawing Sovereign, and we just delayed Sovereign and it came out after Catalyst. But there is a little bit of a bleed over effect when I do that, and uh, sometimes I look at Sovereign and I was really drawing like in a Catalyst comic style and vice versa.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow, that's that's really interesting. I, didn't, I don't know, I'm no, I'm no artist, so anytime I hear anything like that, I'm like, that is the is, I'm blown away.
0: Uh, <laughs> um, I wanted to ask Brian about... Um, doing a comedic book, like doing a humorous book and writing and drawing it. Oh, in. <laughs> man. Um, how do you, like as a writer and artist, what is your goal with like, I mean like comedic timing and like live action comedy, like timing is so important. Mm-hmm. And in comic books, you are working, you know, in a fixed you know, you're working on a printed page. Like you're not, you like you're not controlling how long a joke lasts, or like how oh, long a punchline. Yeah, yeah. That's, so like, how do you how do you translate that from like telling an actor like way to beat? How do you translate that to the printed page? Um, well, if you would if ask Jason to tour, he will be the first to tell you that I'm not funny at all. In <laughs> uh, but uh, in in comics, you can really control um, the pacing of a joke, uh, the beats of a joke. Uh, you know. The, the way that a joke is read, uh, depending on how much information you give someone, uh, either the greatest, for me, the greatest one-two punch in you know comedy is page flip, yeah. uh, which you get in comics, which is just such a fantastically fun thing. So I, I design all of my pages thinking about first and last panel and what I gain in the panel transition uh, and, and how it can be funny. I mean, you, you can even you slow down. Um, uh, you know, how people read your book, you can speed up how they you read your book based on what kind of information you put in the panels, how many panels you put in there, how much dialogue you put in there, the type of drawing that you're doing, uh, also affects the way that people are flowing through, um, reading your comic. So then, in that sense, like, I think just, comedy is so naturally easy in comics, I think, uh, and it just, um, it's, like, a really strange thing that it's, it's kind of gone in the, the bulk of comics at this point. Um, so I regularly curse uh, Frank Miller uh, and, and, uh, <laughs> uh, for ruining comics for everybody uh, and making them not funny. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, like, for me, it's... Uh, it's it, The hardest part with doing comedy in comics is that by the time that I have written and drawn it, that I can't see that it's funny anymore. And that's a really big problem. So I've, you know, i again, like I'm I'm writing and drawing my own book and I have no editor. So uh, my editors are my peers and the people that I send the book out to and test it on and see if this works. Uh, And while I'm, you know, because I'm writing and drawing it, I'm making changes all the time. Uh, And my my original art pages (laughs) look like crap. Um, because I am covering things up and adding more panels in when I've already outlined all my panel borders and, um, because just trying to get the rhythm of the joke right and, and you know, the, the play between the two characters in the scene or whatever is going on um, is tough to keep it fresh in my mind when I'm working so hard on the art and spending so many hours on the page um, but that's the hardest part other than that, comedy and comics is super easy <laughs>
1: and uh, one thing that I, I love, too, this week's issue of Manhattan Projects, you have uh, I, such a clever idea for promotion, too. You have a short strip promoting uh, the next round of God Hates Astronauts, and it's hilarious, too. Oh, thanks. Um, that's, how, did, how did you come up with the concept to sort of promote the book in that way?
0: Uh, you know, Jonathan Hickman and Lou Wright's Manhattan Projects has been uh, super, super great, super supportive for... Uh, getting my book at Image and helping me figure out how to create a book and, and run a book and do every aspect of it. Um, and he discovered me by Nick Viterra forced, again, never having been hired for anything, Nick Viterra forced me on to Manhattan Projects. Uh, and it was great when I first got that job, Nick told me, he said, um, I forced Techman to hire you. you I, I got hired. I forced him to hire you, but he told me that if you screw up, I could never make a single other decision on this book for as long as a bug class. So that's the first thing he told me when I started working on that book. <laughs> um, and, uh, but basically, Jonathan has is, is, uh, been really, really supportive uh, in making Documents Astronauts a success, uh, and he, has, he doesn't ever run any ads in uh, Manhattan Projects. Uh, But he did specifically for God Hates Astronauts because he believes in the book so much. So it was extremely flattering. He gave me five pages to play with. Uh, So I did, you know, like a a hostess Twinkie-style little uh, comic (laughs) advertising uh, of original stuff uh, that's in Manhattan Projects. I'm at Jason Mm -hmm. with uh, Southern Bastards. Um, You live live around here? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> now, are we you in your house right no? Is this your house? Um, I was wanting to ask, I mean, you're drawing a book that. I mean, I'm from Tennessee, and I said, like, the very first... There's so many panels in the first two issues of the Southern Bastards that just, like, struck nerves in my brain of, like, oh, I remember this. Like, things that I have buried from the South, like this other part of the South. Um, I mean, like, how much of your own personal life, personal experience are you pulling from on putting on all these pages, I imagine? Uh-huh. None. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> uh, this is all
2: very elaborate, Andy Kaufman bit. <laughs> uh, the hoax. Yeah. Uh, I don't
0: know.
2: It's a very hard question to answer in the sense that, like, um, objectively, the only objectivity I have on the project is that it's a genre project. Yeah. So, like, my my firm belief is that genre projects are. Great vehicle for doing personal stories because you can tear apart uh, your own experiences and repurpose them into other characters and possibly see things in a new light. Yeah. So there's a lot of that going on. Uh, there's a lot of things that are actively, uh, active decisions to include personal material in there, but I, but I don't think that you can go through and really pick out what we've made up. Yeah. Makes any sense. sense. Uh, what I do try to strive to be authentic about, and I think authenticity is kind of. A, I don't think that term really exists, but I think what I'm trying to do is uh, is recreate an atmosphere that and a feeling that I have had about living here that is probably not that I probably don't even have any. Yeah. A very. I wouldn't call it romantic. I wouldn't call it nostalgic, but there's something about the fact that your memories <clears throat> are places that only exist to you. And if you're capable of sort of, like, finding a common ground to communicate that, that's what I think you would call authenticity. Yeah. So you can find a common thread. And I think genre helps you find that common thread so you can hang uh, individual experience on it.
1: Uh, I want to. I want to ask one more question, and then I think we'll open it up to questions from the audience. Uh, and this is this is an open question to all of you guys. Um, did you did you all start as uh, like analog artists, like pencil to paper, and then did you transit? Do you transition to digital, um, or how much how much of like the sort of newer digital processes have do you adopt or have you adopted in your uh, in your work? And how does it affect how you approach a project?
4: Uh, well, I'm, I'm pretty traditional. I still use a Raphael status 3 brush on all of my work. And in Photoshop, I have color on one layer so instead of multiply. <laughs> 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 so I, I know how to use Dropbox too. Perfect. My <laughs> right digital process. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah,
3: I, I mean, I, I love actually having, working on something uh, in. Physically not just digitally. I actually hate drawing on a computer, I hate doing all the stuff like that. But uh, I have incorporated because of mostly because of the coloring process and you know, being digital and all the other stuff and like uh so I done some like uh I, I I look at them like color guides is what I started doing, adding that kind of stuff and like maybe uh drawing a couple things digitally in the backgrounds or a snack and that kind of stuff I just kinda of make it feel like something because I always felt like my in the evolution of my art as we were talking about earlier, um a lot of my stuff, I felt it like was a sort of black and white drawing that you had like put color on, and so sometimes like fought against each other. So this is a way of me trying to incorporate uh, the color into into when I'm drawing uh, and, and making it something that was made for color rather than just something like a, like I said, like a black and white, that, you know. So like, so I've done like a little bit, but I actually like don't really care for like drawing digitally or anything. Else. I'm very traditional. I love get my hand my hands are full ink now and uh, you know and all that stuff. I make a mess. And, That's the fun part.
2: Cool. Um, Philosophically, probably 50-50. Executionally, I can't really break that down. Um, I was basically
0: started, the question was where did we
2: start, right? So I
0: started by coming to Heroes
2: Con and basically reverse engineering how to be a comic book artist by meeting every comic book artist at the show. So I would take my portfolio around and hand it to every artist, starting from the time I was like 14, 13, 14 years old. Um, And so over the course, from about 14 to 22 years old, I (laughs) basically would just bring my analog giant, you know, traditional comics pages around me. And I think at a certain point, um, I started messing with digital as a means of delivery and as a means. Of um, breaking away from over the course of talking to guys that are more traditional artists, because all these guys that I talked to on the show, on portfolios, to them over the years, they were obviously traditional because you know, nobody really did at that time. And we're starting to transition into being of uh, being of my age, where like the internet was coming into existence, and it seemed like you know the internet was going to be an avenue for uh, comics. I just felt like you know, I should probably be aware of where things are heading. So I started to experiment with that sort of stuff. And I think as a result of that, like I, as a result of having experiences with traditional analog artists like my entire life, I felt like I need to be prepared for where the marketplace is going and where the production methods are going. So that by the time I get there, I'll probably be a little more at ease with you know, the changing world. Because you would always talk to, like, guys, you hear all these horror stories about guys who only use one brush, and so they want to, they buy a warehouse for those brushes so that, like, you know, God forbid one day that they can't find them anymore, you know? I was wondering like, what the hell happens if the, the warehouse burns down? <laughs> <laughs> so I started to prepare myself philosophically for the idea that, like, my drawings should be uh, not about the tools I use should be about my approach to the story that I'm trying to tell. So I try not to limit myself to one way or the other. There's a lot of great things that you foundationally need to know how to do with just paper and because that's ultimately like where it starts. Um but a lot of the processes we use to this day we consider like art standards and comics were born out of the necessity of production. Um and that's not to like throw those things under the bus and say that those things don't have validity and value and teach you how to do things like compress your ideas. Uh, just the fact that you use black and white to tell the story traditionally and you're narrowed down to basically, the, you know, very dynamic. We, what we consider rendering of ink is actually a very dynamic amount of rendering. It's a very, it's a compressed fault, it's a compressed facility uh, technique and that is a very essential mode of thought when you're dealing with comic books that are always a very limited uh, production like that you, you always have 20 to 22 pages they're always on the timeline You're basically always in a pressure cooker whereas like with other forms of media like those things live in the moment music or film you can actually shoot things there's cold you can actually you know you practice for plays there's a whole different life to other art forms Those are forms always sort of condensing down to a diamond. Yeah. <laughs> so like with digital stuff, I think we're in a weird phase where digital art like allows you to do almost anything. But you have to be aware that you just because you can do anything, you can't you
0: shouldn't do everything. <laughs> wow. I
2: don't,
0: I don't know where I went with that. I'm gonna prove that on my statement you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they tried to bring <laughs> it over Well, It's interesting that we're on a Image panel because I think the Image did not try to do everything in the 90s. Oh, yeah. of, a lot of really... Rub the comic books because people, blood. Uh,
1: Bloodstrike number one. Yeah, because
2: people basically found a computer and were like, oh, wow, that I can make that I look sparkly. let Let's, Let's,
0: play. Play. Let's All
2: play. Play. Yeah. Alright, I'm, I'm going to talk now.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm a I'm a firm believer that uh, whatever tools you use that you're comfortable with, then those are the tools you should use uh, all the time. People uh, trying to break into comics, trying to be comics artists, they're just constantly looking for some sort of tool or some sort of method that will make them so much better. The only one that works is that Bill Cosby fan that he used. Picture pages. There's like four people. There. Yeah. I'm so old. I'm, sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, but so it, it, people people get fixated on what you know, what what I you should use or what brushes or what uh, you know. work visually, you use you know SketchUp or Poser or any of those things. Uh, but it's, it's really like if you want to make comics, it's important that you know how to tell a story visually because that's what comics are. Uh, and so me personally, like I think my process is, a, is I use some computer crutches in terms of I scan in my you know thumbnails and then I will lay in actual perspective grid so I don't have to use a ruler. Uh, but you know that's about it. Um, I color visually. Uh, I do all my design digitally. I do all my book layout digitally. Um, I'm uh, I'm not really good at any one thing. But I know how to do most of everything, and so that's kind of what I what I lean on is my ability to to write and draw and color and letter design and all of that. Um, so it's a mix of digital and it's a mix of traditional, um, and it's just what I've become comfortable with over time. Um, you know, I, I know plenty of people who are now working entirely digitally, and they can draw sometimes two books a month, which is incredible. But me as an artist, I can always tell. You know, there's just there's there's something about it, and it's just me being stubborn, old-fashioned. Uh, I like you know I like I like all like I like ink on page, you know. Uh, but it's really whatever works for you. I mean, you you are making art, but you're also communicating, uh, and whatever tools you need to do that, uh, then that's that's totally fine. You can just I like, can tell a great comic with just a square and a circle. and what we're in the face, uh, the
2: Communication is a very important. Thing, like, then note to, uh, keep Is it? No, no um, <laughs> communication. We used to it used to always be about how we communicate, and I think now we've reached this point where it's like you have to choose who you mm-hmm. want. Because like if you're a very if you're a fine artist and you're a guy who's focused on like doing work that other fine artists don't appreciate, that's a completely valid way to make your comments. It's a completely o- valid audience to have, but you have to understand that that's your audience. If you're a guy who wants to produce things with speed, you probably don't really care so much about what other artists think of your work, then maybe digital is the best way to go. I think everybody to some degree like has a sort of a pie chart of who they ideally would like to communicate with. Mm-hmm. And being aware of what that pie chart is is a very important thing to uh, in terms of like figuring out your audience and voice and what you're working I, I mean, I, th- I think also it's a question of what
3: you want out of your own work, too, mm-hmm. because I mean, it, 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 it's what you want to, That I always look at it like this, like a lot of stuff that digital does that just, is just mimicking right. what you can do on paper, so if, if that's the case, I would like put that aside and actually do it on paper, right. but if, if that's not what you want, if you want some other like, thing that's a full digital look that you can't really achieve without, you know... Without the, the computer, without the, the, then 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 definitely go like full on to that, and, you know, and like, I mean, that's what you want as to well too. But like, I I always, always find it weird when people do things that are just mimicking, you know. Like why why do something that mimics as struggling and and, and trying to do all these things when you just do it for real and, and have like an actual you know visceral uh, uh,
2: well, connection. Well, a lot of young artists I uh, think focus on finish first, mm-hmm. like the way the thing looks is how the. But there's a certain kind of finish and technique that we emphasize as like a professional drawing. And I think that with the increase of like capability of like digital, like uh, Photoshop and Maca Studio and things like that, you can basically, they basically created programs where, you know, everyone can kind of have the same line. So I think that makes a, if they chose to, so that makes your choices even more important. And understanding like where
1: you're starting with a drawing rather than where you're finished. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so we've got a little bit of time left for some audience questions. So if anyone has one, please feel free. Yeah. First person up. Go for it.
3: <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think it's so much. Uh, I mean, I, can be personally, I mean, I've never really heard of a artist looking for a specific writer in that same way that the writers are talking about. But I do know that there are writers that I would like to align with that have similar similar taste and tone that I like that I like to do. That so I'm like, yo, I really like his work because for whatever reason that those are the kind of stories I like to read and I like to draw as well. meet, you know kind of befriend him or roll him or see what he's doing, and maybe we could team up on some whatever, but never like, I never have like a, a story I want to tell that I would just hire a writer to do, because I wouldn't want to limit him that way either, in that sense of like, like hey, I already have this whole thing figured out here, do that, just, you know, break it up from the some panels or something like that, you know, so
2: <laughs> it's, a, it's a little different, but there is, there is definitely something there. Like that for me. As somebody that's actively involved as like I'm a writer professionally and an artist professionally, and I've done both sides of the job. Um, I think, like, the most important thing in terms of, like, if you're an artist that's trying to find a collaborator is, again, communication. I think you have to find people that you click with, people who <coughs> you can communicate with, because if you don't have that collaboration, you're be fighting the story. Um, and you're going to be at your worst when you have to fight against the thing that you're actually trying to produce. Um, so, like, as an artist, you know, there's a lot of... <laughs> There's a lot more uh, active, like, flirtation between writers trying to find artists. Yeah. Because we all know that we have a limited capacity in terms of how much we can produce. For writers, like, as a writer, you can write multiple titles at once, and as an artist, you know, your days and your time are very limited. So a lot of us have to be almost like a pretty girl at the bar, kind of an We have to be a little too picky, you know? We, we overvalue ourselves in order so that we, you know, can actually get something to value. Speak for yourself, I, have, I don't hold that. value <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else?
0: Yes. Um,
5: as storytellers, when you grew up, were there any storytellers in movies, comics, any form of media that you feel had a huge influence on their styles? Yeah,
0: definitely. Uh, the Coen brothers, for me, Most, most everything I do is uh, based on their visual storytelling. Uh, for me, this masters of comedy, masters of time, masters of suspense. Uh, to me, uh, that, that is a, absolutely my biggest influence as a comic maker. Uh, and most people ask me what my big comic book influences are, but they're, it's mainly movies. Movies is where most of that comes from for me. And that to kill myself.
4: How do you think I feel? Uh, Paul, Paul, what about you guys? No, you first. Oh. <laughs> Go back. Uh, I mean, I, again, I think I said I don't read a lot of American comics, but I, I, found a lot of, I found a lot of inspiration or early manga that I got. Like, I had this, this one book when I was younger called What's Michael? and it's sort of the one with the cat yeah yeah it's just about a cat or it's, it's about the same cat in different scenarios but for some reason that one comic like really opened up my brain about what a comic could be or how a comic could look and it it was a slice of life and it it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> and uh I, I, it's a book that it's all torn up and it's still on my desk to this day uh, that's a weird story. That's
3: go. <laughs> a good story. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean I thought to influence it. I don't know if I could boil it down to something as simple as uh, Coen Brothers. But uh but I think pretty less
5: <laughs> <of old>, Simple. <laughs> <old. laughs> <laughs> Just saying.
3: Uh, but but I was definitely I know it was I, I noticed, uh, definitely gravitated towards uh, things like a lot of like the movies from like, the seventies and, and it's grittier, kind of, uh, more about, uh, character that's about, like, a overall big dramatic art <coughs> of, of, action or something like that, whatever, and, 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 and artists I gravitate towards were always, like, European and stuff like that, so I always had, like, a taste that was, like, not really traditional American even though I grew up in a lot of, like, uh, you know, in the 90s all the fantastic comic books that had blood and men's <laughs> players and all that stuff Uh, yeah, I, I was gravitated towards that kind of stuff so I that influences me definitely more so than... Uh, anything else, I think.
2: I think, I think um, like a really important, like for me, I get a lot of uh, inspiration out of like, things I can't do. Uh, I find it very, I find it very inspiring. Yeah. I think it's as an artist, like if you can try to understand or grapple with understanding an art form that you don't do, you're going to learn a lot out of it. So like, I love movies. I, I consume movies and, and visual storytelling as much as anybody not more, but I also get a lot of inspiration out of, like, reading, like, literature, and like, uh, 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 music. Like, those are two things that I don't know a whole lot about, but I feel like I have an innate connection with them, and I feel like when you come back from forming a connection with a different kind of art form, it you know, only, like, can benefit you in the way you see and So, yeah, that's kind of an answer,
4: right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else? Yes, sir.
4: Um, I I guess I, I write a lot about like comics and I do a lot of sort of critical work and I think a lot about specifically what you guys do in reference to a larger legacy and um, how much whether it be interacting with people that read your work or people that could potentially be reading your work or just simply how you go about making your work, how much of your thought process is focused on what you're leaving behind, what part of the like, what lineages you're contributing to and like, this is art that you know, in 20 years people will, uh, will be talking about still um, um, Oh, I've never thought of that <laughs> I honestly
0: have never thought of that. Um, I'm constantly frustrated and I'm, I'm making books it should have been made in the, you know, late 80s, mid eighties, indie scene. Uh, so I've always felt kind of trapped out of time. And it's, it's weird because the books the book that I'm making now is just so referential pop culture. Like frequently just there's movie references on almost every single page from the book. Uh, and it's gonna be weird when it starts feeling really dated I guess. Um, I don't know, I guess I just don't have enough self esteem to feel like anyone's gonna be reading this ten years from now. You know, yeah. just like this has never really even
2: occurred to me. I'm glad
0: to say it's opposite. Yeah. No. Um <laughs> I've always felt a
2: tremendous pressure because I want my books to be readable. It's not necessarily about legacy, it's like I want the experience to not be disposable. I do think that it can be restricted, like to think about your life as like a bookshelf. Yeah. You know, like, I've never wanted to think about my work as the greatest kids. Like, I'm clearly, like, trying to be selective, but I'm only trying to be selective in the sense that I want the things I do to manage my time. I want to be representative of like, who I am at that moment. Because you're only going to live one time. That's a spoiler. Okay. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Spoiler, you are only live once. And, uh, you know, all your corny jokes and all the shit that you leave behind on Twitter and Facebook <laughs> and all that kind of stuff, people will make themselves sick in the face, worrying about the fact that somebody one day is going to take that stuff up. But what does it matter if
0: <laughs> you <laughs> So basically, no, there's
2: freedom in the idea that you only go around once. There's freedom in the idea that everything that you do next should be a representative of like
3: what you want to do in that moment. And you're building towards you getting to do it, to continue to do it in your life. Yeah, I mean, I, I always look at it like I can I'm not the one to... Judge my work on that level of like whether it's gonna last or do I re- re- really really uh, really reread it in ten years? Whether I care about it or anything like that. Like, so I just try to do what I can like, to the best of my ability at that time, and I'm always trying to work towards uh, something that, that I can I can consider great. And that's what far of my thing. Like I said earlier, I put a lot of pressure on myself as to what I want to do, and uh, and so so uh, I. I want to create great work and I want to do something stuff but as far as like whether people are going to care about it even when it comes out, I can't control that so I just never really look at it in that sense no.
4: I think about it all the time <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I kind of rationalize it to myself when I, when I don't like something that I do I, just, I assume that somewhere somewhere in the world like some, some kid in Germany is going to find the book and love it and it's going to be his favorite thing and as long as it's it's cool to that one person, it's fine. So I, I don't worry about it too much, but I do think about uh, you know how long I am going to live and how long i can do work. I have a nerve problem with my hands, which is progressive. So you know there is a finite amount of time where I can really function like I function right now. Uh, so I think you know when I pick my collaborators, when I when I pick my projects, I know there's only so many I can sort of do to you know, advance myself up the ladder as far as projects I can get. Um, so yeah, you know, I think about it, but like I said, you know, even the stuff that I'm not particularly proud of, there, there's there's always gonna be someone out there that's appreciated. And um, you know, I'm lucky enough to have done this for almost 10 years now, and uh, I'm already starting to you know, have people come up to me that, you know, my Metal, yourself included. Um, yeah.
0: You know, could have told me to that they really appreciate the early work or the early sketches like it, I did that I do. So, you know, thank you
1: for that. <laughs> you probably else? have time for like one more, I would say, right? Yeah,
5: yeah. Oh, yes, George R. R. Martin. Yeah. Um, besides your own
0: work, what is your favorite book on the shelves right now today? I- I'm I'm supposed to say something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Here's where it gets ugly. Present company
0: excluded. <laughs> no. I gotta well, think for a little bit. I gotta think for got a <laughs> second. What, what was the like? question? <laughs> like, I like Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, I, like, um, I, like, I like Game of Thrones comic adaptation.
4: What is your uh, favorite book that's on shelves today? Straight Bullets is really great. This series is really great. Um, the last book that blew my my hair back <laughs> um, in terms of art. That's it was a Jane Tarrant's
2: run, the last one, the late one. Um, uh, there's a lot of really this is the part where I beat my other masters. There's a lot of really great Marvel stuff. <laughs> um, it's just nice to live in an era of comics where like, between the stuff that's being produced on creator on level, the stuff that's being successful on creator-owned level seems to be driving some of the larger and that's a really interesting, like, version uh, of maybe the way it was like, 10 years ago. But, like, you know, my first year was in 2005. Paul's about the same. Both Paul's about the same. 2005, 2004. Um, and it was in a very different landscape. Back then. Like, it was basically like you were trying to sell 5,000 copies to survive, or you are trying to sell 5,000 copies so that Marvel would have like, you noticed know, higher. And now we're actually... You know, in a creative environment where and landscape where like I can have both careers and I can actually like have an audience and that's a really it's a really exciting thing. Right? so it's hard to like nail down you know exactly what I like because I actually like as many comments as I'd ever liked. And it's a really it's actually a really nice thing because like, there was a period there in my twenties where I hated
4: <clears throat> I liked everything that the picture box was releasing, and unfortunately they're no longer. But um, they, they recently uh, released some work from Blutch, who is uh, a yeah, great, a great European artist. is his first, very first time he's been translated here, and he's inspired people like Craig Thompson, yeah, Craig Thompson. Or, yeah, Craig Thompson mm-hmm. um, I think Christoph Long, John Spar, because we have Eyes Cat. I feel like Blutch sort of this great master that we kind of knew in the So picture Diego. Yeah, I yeah, found that May Mitchell book maybe
2: like six or seven years ago at San Diego Comic Con. Um, yeah. And when I went to France for the first time, you know, you like, inundated with great
3: art. And that was all about like, okay. <clears> the <throat> Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about on, on the shelves at the moment. I, I don't get to tell them so as much as I want to anyway. Uh, so, it is a lot of stuff. I mean, it's like a uh, but some of the other books like uh, uh like uh, Deadly Class with what Strike is doing, I think it's really some really great stuff and uh other books, you know, who Breakers, has been doing some good stuff and whatever like so there's all that stuff and uh yeah, Devil was always fun with Wayne, Sami. Um but yeah, I mean I think the stuff I always go towards is, is, is other like like I said before, like European stuff or other stuff like Blush or or or, or, Michelucci or uh, you know Sergio Tapis stuff still love to find anything that kind of, kind of, kind of is and uh, some older stuff. I, just, I always look for like flexors and stuff and those stuff we got too, but, but you know, it's really rare here and, and just kind of give me a different perspective on things and then what you just see day to on the shelves here, you know, see that uh, yeah, there's like a bigger world up there than the art they produce just here, which is great in and of itself, but it's a very limited,
0: uh, you know, production I, I would say also it's a weird, Thing, and I know a lot of people who work professionally in comics. Uh, this, this happens. Is, uh, I don't have time to read comic books, which is like a really strange thing to have happened. Um, I, I remember reading an interview with, with Dave Sim where he said that he doesn't read comics. Um, and I remember, and then it's like, this was like 15 years ago, and I was like, what? You don't read comic books? But I didn't realize at the time he was writing and drawing self publishing book which you know was not life um, and you know now that I write and draw my own book, uh, my read file is out of control. You know yeah, I try to read the books that my friends work on before I see them so that I can legitimately talk to them about their work and, and not be fake. Uh, and that's really the bulk of what I read right now, which is kind of frustrating. But that's, that's reality. We're in
1: the reality of an economist, Awesome. Well, uh, we are just about out of our hour. Um, I want to I want to thank everybody for coming out to the panel. Uh, and thanks for all the great questions. Those were awesome. if uh, we get a round of applause for our panelists? Paul Maydary, Paul Azacena, Paul Latour, and Paul Brown. Little. This is Paul White. Uh, thank you so much for coming out today. Uh, the Carol Corps panel is in this room next at 4.30. If you want to stick around for that. Otherwise, uh, thank you so much. and